When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the Fightful MMA podcast. Uh, I know you're expecting a guy with a bit longer hair and uh, a bit of an accent, but uh, unfortunately, he's running a little bit late today. I am James Lynch, and I'll be carrying this ship uh, for the meantime. But uh, as always, we're joined by Showdown Joe. Joe, how are you? Doing pretty good, man. I'm just informing everybody uh, on the social media that uh, we're live on the air. How are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic. Can't complain. Some great weather here in uh, BC. Is Toronto uh, getting pretty cold right now, I imagine, this time of year? Uh, it is absolutely chilly. Uh, bad news for me is I tried to cover the um, – I, I put an above-ground pool for my son. It's pretty big. Uh, mm-hmm. Nothing expensive, but it's, it's, it's great for the kids, you know, 10 years and under sort of thing. And uh, the cover is incorrect, so half of it mel- or went into the pool, and now it's frozen. So I've got to get out there eventually and break that ice and uh, do that. But it's getting cold out here, man. Snow, all the kids are wearing boots already. So, yeah, getting, getting uh, pretty chilly. As I'm sure people watched the UFC Denver card on Saturday, uh, Sean Ross Sapp did a post-fight show on Fightful MMA. So we actually have the unique opportunity, Joe, you and I, to talk about that finish in the main event. And we'll, we'll go through the card as well. But first, just your reaction to seeing that uh, knockout. Was this the greatest knockout of all time? Where do you rank this? Oh, wow. Was it the greatest knockout of all time? Uh, it's up there. I mean, there's no denying that it's up there, especially because A, the technique, uh, B, being able to pull it off. Timing-wise, with one second left or a little bit less, uh, it, it's up there. I, I still think Edson Barbosa, um, you know, even Anderson Silva, the way he knocked out Vitor Belfort, but Edson Barbosa is one of those knockouts that just stunned everybody. Um, there was an old one, Frank Shamrock, uh, against, I think, Igor Zinoviev, where it was a double-leg takedown knockout. Uh, knocked him out completely. Matt Hughes, Carlos Newton. Uh, but in terms of excitement, this knockout with Yara Rodriguez, uh, and the Korean zombie was just something to behold. It was it was unreal. What a fight. And the way to just end it like that is magical. Well, it's crazy, too, is that zombie was up on the scorecards as we saw. So, I mean, that was going to be an L for, for Rodriguez. And he pulls it out with a second left. Um, I look at the context of this knockout, too. You know, uh, Yair Rodriguez was not a member of the UFC roster in the summer. And uh, he was supposed to return against Zabit which I don't think that was a favorable matchup for him. That fight ends up getting scrapped. He fights Zombie. He was about to lose this fight. And now he's, you know, he's, he's going to be on highlight reels forever. I was, I was making the reference the other day to, you know, this will be one of those knockouts that we look at, just like the Anthony Pettis flying off the cage, uh, yeah. you know, kick on Benson Henderson. It's, it's going to live with him forever, regardless of how his career ends up. So this is a huge win for Yair Rodriguez. And I really think a big win for the UFC as well, because Rodriguez, uh, a Latin-speaking fighter, someone they can market in that, uh, in that area and, uh, you know, if they ever go down to Mexico again, he is a guy they should be building on. And I think you have to capitalize on this uh, by giving him, uh, you know, a main event 
uh, in his next fight as well, uh, whether it's uh, you know a veteran or whoever. But you need to take advantage of this. And uh, Rodriguez, I, I know, uh, saw today, moves up in the rankings to the number 11 spot. So he moves up uh, four spots from before. Well, who does he face up next, though? I mean, there's Volkanovski right above him. Josh Emmett's coming off a loss. Bechtek won. Um, it, it's, it's Cub Swanson's there. I mean, there's some really good matchups. I think we've got to keep him away uh, from the likes of Frankie Edgar right now because, you know, we all saw what happened the first time. But you never know. It could be one of those situations where the UFC is like, no, we should put it on again. I doubt it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's weird how all this, this triangle sort of unfolds because, you know, that was Frankie Edgar's spot uh, taking on Korean Zombie. You know, technically, would he have had his hand raised in victory? Um, the, the one thing I do like is what's next for Korean Zombie because I've got all the time in the world for that guy. He just he just emanates class. You know, he just just goes out there, does the job, doesn't wreak havoc. Absolutely love uh, his walkout song. Obviously, Zombie with um, the cranberry. So um, everything about the Korean Zombie is just something I absolutely adore. I think he's fantastic. But yeah, kudos to Yaya Rodriguez. It'd be very interesting to see who they match him up against next. Well, I think a, a logical fight, I would think, in terms of name value and everything, uh, the Ricardo Lamas and um, uh, Darren Elkins fight that's taking place this weekend, that seems like a reasonable uh, fight for Rodriguez because, again, he's not getting thrown to the wolves at the top of the heap, and he's fighting uh, you know, either fighter, whoever wins, especially Lamas, who's a former title challenger. I think that would be a good matchup. And for Zombie... How about Jeremy Stevens? You know, he was a guy coming off a loss against Aldo, had a lot of momentum. I mean, that that I think would, would be a good matchup for him. But I'm with you. Let's other as their prospects in the division. Um, let's move along to the co-main event. Donald Cerrone showing he still has life at either 170 or 155. We don't know where he's going to fight next, but gets a submission win over Mike Perry. Uh, Joe, just your thoughts on the matchup. Uh, Sorny was an underdog and really had his back against the wall heading into this fight. Before I say anything, do you recall what I told Sean last week? Did I say don't put five on Cerrone or, or don't put five on um, Perry? I think it was uh, I think it was don't put five on Perry, I think. I think you were on Cerrone, if I remember. Okay, because I'm trying to recall who I who <laughs> is one of those things because I know when I watch the fight, I'm like, this he's going to just take it down to the ground. It's going to go to the ground and he's going to submit Perry. He's not going to bother, even though he can stand and trade. Uh, why bother? Because he's taken some abuse in the stand-up. But the victory, being able to pull off that victory via submission shouldn't overly surprise too many people uh, because, you know, Cowboy's got fantastic ground game. He's got a fantastic submission arsenal. He can pull it out whenever he wants, especially against guys that he feels, uh, I guess he's technically superior uh, on the ground. So he did what he had to do. Very, very impressed. Surprised that he's saying, uh, you know what, he wants to go back to 155 pounds, calling out Habib. Getting you know, sending out the warning shots to Habib to get ready. You know, Cowboy's back, Cowboy's coming, sort of thing. He's an older guy, not old, but an older guy to cut that weight, James. I don't know if that's wise, but Cowboy's motivated now. He's got the little guy, he's got the baby. You know, things change. You know what it's like when when you when you have a child, the brain changes a little bit. You don't just do things for yourself anymore. You do it for the family. Yeah, um, I wonder if the UFC looks at this win from Donald Cerrone and and relooks, at, or sorry, looks again at a potential matchup against McGregor because I've said this many times on the show. You need a fight that McGregor can win next, or at least be very competitive in. Um, Cerrone has a lot of name value. If he wants to go down to fifty five, I think that benefits McGregor. You know, as we know, as fighters, uh, you know, move on in their careers and they go down a weight class, they it, they tend not to fare as well. And this might be a, a good uh, you know sort of savior for for uh, McGregor. Although if they do want to go that Nate Diaz fight, I think maybe they capitalize 
thoughts on that too. But the, that's something that sort of popped into my head uh, when when Cerrone won. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think if he's, he's if he's having success at 170, stay there. Um, I know it's a tougher path to the title. I think both you know title paths are pretty tough. But uh, you know, if you if it's working at welterweight, why change things? I don't know. That's just you me. know what I, you make a very very valid point because. You look at what Cerrone has done over his career. Obviously, he's got the most UFC uh, victories. He's got the most UFC victories by submission. Um, he, he's received so many bonuses. He's made a lot of money. Um, taking on a guy like Conor McGregor would give him the biggest payday, and it's almost a thank you with the UFC to give Cerrone uh, a Conor McGregor fight, biggest payday of his career, win or lose. If he does lose, he could sail off into the sunset. Good luck with that with Cerrone. But it's a massive payday, and you know it would be a fantastic uh, – I don't know how much back and forth it will be between the two because, you know, Connor's going to try and get into his head, say this, say that, blah, blah. But I, I think it's a great fight. I think you're bang on. That would be a fantastic fight because, you know, it is a winnable fight um, for, for um, Connor McGregor. So, yeah, I, I really like that fight. and It's almost a thank you despite the potential loss, but a thank you to, to Cerrone but on behalf of the UFC – uh, and don't kid yourself. If that fight does hit the ground, you know, Cerrone can stand and bang with Connor. Don't, he, he can do it. Connor's faster. He's probably got more power at this point in his career. But if that fight hits the ground, man, look out. Yeah. No, uh, Cerrone always threatening with the ground game. So so th- that's an interesting style matchup there. Um, let's talk about the women's bantamweight fight. Jermaine Duran. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa, whoa. Sean's here. Sean's oh, here. Oh, we got him. We got him. We got him. I snuck in. Snuck in. Uh, I like the Cerrone fight. Cerrone is such an underrated grappler at this point. Yes. Oh my God, man, that guy does not get the credit he deserves for being a good grappler. James, I, I want to know, do you have any insight on the, on the Winklejohn thing? I mean, <laughs> well, boy, that, that seems salty. I, I compared it to Suge Knight showing up at the award show and being like, if you don't want your producer all in the videos, all on the tracks, come to Jackson Winklejohn. Yeah. Like, man, like, let it, come on, dude. Yeah, the, the only insight I have is, I mean, I interviewed uh, Diego Sanchez recently, and uh, you know, he's he's on the side of Wink. Um, Chris Brown, not to be confused with the singer, um, he, he's an up and coming prospect at Jackson's as well. He he trashed Cerrone when I spoke to him. Um, so, you know, I kind of got that side of things, but now reading everything from, uh, you know, Ricky, the, the president of Jackson Wink, the, the messages that were released, um, hearing from Cerrone, it's just, it's a bad situation all around. You know, they're accusing him of bullying. Uh, I, I don't know what to think at this point. I mean, I guess the biggest test will be, you know, do these, do these fighters stick around at Jackson Wink? I think that will be the, the, you know, the telling thing, because if Winklejohn is this bully, you know, you can go to other camps. Um, you know, fighters have that option. So, uh, I mean, the bigger name fighters. I mean, we're talking about Holly Holm and John Jones and uh, Michelle Watterson. I mean, they're they're big enough names that they could go somewhere else. So, I think time will tell. But uh, yeah, the truth is somewhere in the middle here. But just it's it's an unfortunate part of the sport where you're going to have you know egos and and things that happen and and fight matchups like in this case where you had two former teammates facing off against each other. So, also another thing I wanted to mention, we had somebody in the live chat on on my post show the other night that said. Korean zombie could have just coasted to victory. And I'm thinking, no, he couldn't. Not if you're Korean zombie and mm-hmm. you had that fight against uh, against Leonard Garcia that you should have won back in the day. And you remember how that went down? How could you feel comfortable coasting? And then, then we got the situation that unfolded the way that it did. But uh, the, the main event and co-main event of UFC Denver. And those were a blast to watch. Mm-hmm. And yeah. James, you spoke to Macy Barber, who really made her presence felt on this show as well, uh, both, both before and I believe after the fight, correct? 
Yes, I did. Yes, uh, we got we got an interview. I mean, you could you could almost call it an exclusive. I know she did the show live with uh, Ariel and everyone else, but we got our interview up first. I just want to point that out. And uh, Macy, very happy, obviously, uh, getting a, a pretty solid win. And, and like Joe referenced, that uh, was Hannah Cyphers. Uh, you know, Hannah had a great first round. I, I don't think this was a losing effort. I mean, Hannah lost the fight, but I think she still gained some, uh, you know, some notoriety just for the fact that in that first round, it was close. And it wasn't until the second where Macy really took over and got the finish. She calls out Mackenzie Dern. Don't think that's going to happen. Although I did ask her about how the potential matchup would go. I mean, the UFC, that would be dumb matchmaking, just putting two prospects against each other. But uh, Macy Barber, I, you know, this is, you know, for those in the know, we've known how good she is. She definitely proved that on Saturday. And uh, 20 years old, guys, I mean, the futures uh, in her hands at this point i'm excited for what's next knows the right things to do as well immediately calling out a big name like that that says a lot about her the fact that she's just she had a name in mind and that's important joe we often talk about that about these fighters that are like ah anybody anybody not everybody's donald cerrone not everybody can literally get anybody on a day's notice or two three months notice Macy Barber, while they want to push her, is not at that level yet, Joe. So I thought it was good that she had a name in mind. Oh, yeah. It's always important. And, and I mean, we, can, we can't stress it enough. The importance of that post-fight interview. That's when the most amount of eyeballs uh, are on you. And, you know, believe it or not, whether they, it's, they admit it or not, or whether it gets planted subliminally uh, into the mindset of the UFC matchmakers, you've now kind of put them on a spot uh, by announcing it publicly on a much larger audience. So it's kind of those, they, they have to react. It's either yay or nay, right? Uh, and whether they do it on social media or, not, or whether the fighters do it on social media or not, just isn't that much uh, or that many viewers uh, tuned in or followers in terms of that. So doing it while you've got that post-fight interview is the best time. So kudos to her for doing it. Fantastic job. And uh, th- I should mention, there's a little bit of backstory here too with this matchup because they they almost fought in LFA. If you remember, Mackenzie was you know sort of honing her craft there. Macy was also undefeated as well in LFA. So these two almost fought. I guess the issue was that Macy wanted to fight on a different card. Mackenzie couldn't make it, and then I think Mackenzie went to Invicta after that, so it didn't end up lining up. But I have a feeling we'll see them fight in the future. I just don't think that'll be the next matchup. Yeah. Also on this show. Uh, you had a lot of names. There were, there were a couple names that were, were hanging on. I called the second fight on this show perhaps the most inconsequential fight or the most insignificant fight you'll see all year. It was between two guys who were kind of holding on in a flyweight division that may or may not be going. We'll, we'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. But then there were some fights like Jermaine Durandamy and Raquel Pennington that by all means should have been the most important fight on this show. A former champion against a former title ta- challenger and Jermaine Durandamy did nothing to enter her name back into the title picture at least in my estimation joe what did you think of this performance i mean she won but first off raquel pennington did not look like she was prepared for this fight and jermaine durandamy probably should have handled this uh with i don't want to say with ease but man a lot differently than she did i you know what i was actually you know I, i'm gonna give kudos to jermaine durandamy because I, I was actually impressed i was more impressed in this fight here with her striking and her execution of her uh, understanding the distance, although you know it sucked that she was up against the cage because Raquel was only doing so much uh, when she had her up in the clinch. But I was actually impressed with uh, GDR in terms of the length of her strikes, the way she was using her combinations, her footwork, slipping, getting back out of the way whenever Raquel uh, was attacking. So, you know, it, it, did her stock value skyrocket? No. Um, did it move up a little bit? Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm, I'm kind of impressed with, not overly impressed, but I am impressed with her performance. Um, it, it, only for me, because when I was watching it, I'm like, Hey, you know what? She looks a little bit better, uh, than her last fights. I mean, I could be wrong. 
right? I shouldn't say last fights because Sean will say last fight. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, I think she did. She did look pretty good. Um, nothing spectacular. She's not going to get a title shot from this, but didn't mind it at all. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that Jermaine Randomy's last fight was either against Jack Johnson or Carl Gotch. Uh, that, that's been, I think that was around the time that she fought last, something around like 95 years ago, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Raquel Pennington didn't, didn't look in shape. She missed weight. What wasn't a good situation for her, but she's also faced a long layoff. James, we, we saw both of these women. I, I joked about Durandamy, but th- these were long layoffs. And even though the, even though Pennington fought in May, I mean, she had not fought since 2016 before that and dealt with that gruesome leg injury. Do you think any of that played into Pennington's performance? She just didn't look prepared. Yeah, and, and I, I honestly think she probably should have taken some more time off after the Nunes fight, um, you know, maybe like a full year, because that was a pretty, uh, you know, gruesome beatdown from Amanda Nunes in that fight. Um, I, I know they wanted to put this matchup together. I know this was in Denver, so obviously she wanted to be on this card as a native of Denver. But it's one of those things where, you know, you got to look at, it's, it's clear she wasn't prepared. She missed weight. And this wasn't a great performance from her. I don't think, I, you know, Duranami definitely, you know, won the fight. She dominated. She looked great. But I think also Rocky didn't show her best in this fight. And is her best, you know, behind her at this point with the injuries? We don't know. We're going to have to find out in the next fight. But if I'm her, I'm taking a lot of time off, reassessing things and making sure that when I come in there, I'm fully prepared because it seemed like in this matchup, she wasn't. And that when you've got two people that are, I mean, this is Durandamy's first fight since the title fight. She didn't do herself any favors that entire time she was out. I mean, she she took the fight in February of last year to get a title. Understandable. You can do that. But can't imagine many people are going to clamor for her to fight Chris Cyborg anytime soon. We have Benil Dariush, who I said the UFC would like to keep him around in the, well, maybe he can win this fight division. You know, Jim Miller, Joe Lozon, you have all these guys that have been around forever. Tiago Moises was his latest victim and a victim that he needed, James, because he was tiptoeing that that area where the UFC likes him, but I don't know if they like him enough for him to not win four or five straight fights and keep him. Yeah, uh, this was a complete domination. Tiago Moises did not look good. This was a, just a bad performance from him. And I think, you know, that that's the thing. If he wasn't able to go in there and finish Darius Shirley, like we've seen in the Alex Hernandez fight, uh, it was going to be a long night for him, and and Darius just showed that you know when he doesn't get knocked out, he's he's quite the talent in the division. Um, you know this was uh, again, but the only problem with this fight, I'd say, is just that does this win do much for Darius other than it gets him back in the win column? I think first win since I think I want to say November uh, 2016, I think 17 maybe, uh, where he beat uh, Rashid Magomedov. So it's been a while since he's had a win. Um, so this it was good in that sense, but the win didn't do much. I saw people saying, "Oh, we forget how good this guy is." Well, he's got a win. I mean, that's the thing you you need you need to get back in the win column. So he step one is that, but let's see how he does against uh, some higher level competition in that division because clearly the talent's there. It's just a matter of if he's able to make adjustments when he fights guys that are coming out against him aggressively. A fight that I want to talk to you about, Joe, specifically was this Chas Skelly, Bobby Moffat fight. This Darsh choke that was locked in. Referee called a stop to the action just as Skelly stopped walking his body around. I mean, immediately. But as soon as the the choke is let or let loose, Skelly's fine. He's okay. I don't think it's a good sign when the commission takes the referee pretty much by the hand and says, "Hey, you have the benefit of replay." And instead of watching the replay, the referee is defending his decision while watching the replay throughout from the beginning. He did not want the possibility of his mind to be changed for better or for worse. 
Let's talk about that and the odd decision to call that a technical knockout. Well, it's not a technical knockout because if that's the case, it's a technical submission. Yes. Right? It should not be a technical knockout under unified rules of mixed martial arts. When you're looking at the decision, uh, it wasn't done via strikes. It was done via submission. Therefore, technical submission. Uh, in terms, so there's, uh, I'm with Paul Felder here in a manner where it's very difficult to say who's right, who's wrong, and which way to go with this. You can make the argument. Now, if I'm the referee, uh, and my job is always to, you know, enforce the unified rules of mixed martial arts, make sure, uh, there's no fouls, uh, you know, and, and fighter safety is paramount. That's the number one thing. So we're in a situation here where a fighter's kind of getting dominated. Now he's in a submission. Now I'm paying way more attention because he's gone into defense mode uh, or quote-unquote survival mode. So now I'm kind of looking what's happening here. I'm, and I'm paying attention to, you know, are the two arteries being blocked uh, and he's getting squeezed and I'm paying attention to body language. I'm paying attention to his eyes. I'm paying attention to see if I can see if there's focus in his eyes. Uh, and then it gets to the point where, oh, this is on tight. This could happen at any time. You don't need three taps. You need one tap. Even the hand motion is you're just getting ready, getting ready. As soon as it touches, you go in. So, uh, and, or if you feel the fighter is unconscious, you touch the arm, uh, you touch a limb just to see uh, if there's any reaction. And he did that. And based on that, he figured, you know what? It's fight over. It's done. He's out. Let's end it. So he takes the arm, calls the fight. Choke is released, and boom, he pops up. Now, Sean, you've been choked before uh, to the point where you're almost unconscious, but once you're out of it, there's times you can just, whoa, everything's fine. Everything's good. Whoa, that was close, right? Now, remember, with Chaz, he's in a higher state of, of training, pain, uh, being able to compete. So at that point there, he probably just woke up or, or didn't really fall asleep, could have been falling asleep. It was like, hey, man, I'm not out. I'm not out, right? So he wanted the benefit of the doubt. In terms of the referee going over and watching the replay, if it's available to you, you should take advantage of it. Okay, fine. Fight is over. Now we need to determine, A, was your call correct? Was your call, or B, was your call incorrect? If it's incorrect, we go to a no contest. Okay, if it's correct, let's find out why. So um, I don't think we got all the vantage point, uh, all, the, all the footage of the referee looking at the camera, but I did see what you were saying that when the cameras were on him, he was just defending it. He was defending it, right? So I do understand that, but the decision was incorrect. If, if you're going to stick with it, it's not a technical knockout. It's a technical submission. So um, I would like to see a rematch in this, even though, that, you know, I'm, I'm sure people will say, you know, Chaz loses, loses fight nine times out of ten. I would like to see it again just to make things right. James, your reaction to this situation, how did you feel? Was Did you think the stoppage was justified? Yeah, this, this was a bad stoppage. Um, I think clearly uh, Chaz Skelly should get a rematch in this situation. He clearly wasn't out when, when he got up after the referee. And it's just unfortunate because, you know, he's had such a long layoff. Uh, you know, he needed this fight. He needed this win. And to have it end like that is just unfortunate. The UFC doesn't, I mean, we've seen it before, but sometimes they're very hesitant to do rematches like this. I think this is a clear-cut case to do a rematch. Um, you know, I believe Alex Oliveira, to means, I think they did a rematch there. But I, I've seen other times where there has been controversy and they just told the fighters, hey, move on. I mean, they did that with Alvarez and Poirier at first when they, they match them up with different opponents. So hopefully they do do the rematch because I, I think the fans and, and them, the fighters themselves didn't get the, you know a fair shake as far as this fight went. And uh, yeah, I just it was a bad stoppage. 
James, anything else that stood out to you on this UFC Denver show? Oh, a lot. Uh, Devontae Smith, can we talk about this guy? Wins the contender series, comes out here, fights Juliana Rosa on short notice and finishes him in the first round. This guy is a star in my opinion. Um, I think he, you know, everyone references his loss to John Gunther from years ago. I think he is nowhere near that type of fighter. And I think him moving to Factory X and training over there. Uh, I mean, Factory X had a great night. I think they went 3-0 and and then you, they could even technically have gone 4-0 and because I know uh, Mike Trezano trained there for the last part of his camp. But uh, great win for him. Big things ahead. He called out Ross Pearson. Now, Ross Pearson is out of his fight against Joseph Duffy, uh, we're hearing, because of an injury. So when Pearson's all healed up, it sounds like uh, he, he would like to fight Devontae, and uh, we'll see what, what happens there. But very good performance. Uh, most predictable fight on the card, Davey Ramos gets a yes, submission over John Gunther. Um, I, I don't know why they made this fight. I guess the UFC's just like, well... You know, you won your UFC fight. We have to keep you around now. We're going to give you a submission guy, uh, you know, really good guy uh, on the mat and all that. And uh, I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts on this quickly. Uh, the Ashley Yoder and Amanda Cooper fight. Uh, how did you guys score that? Very close fight. It went to Yoder. I think you could make the argument for Cooper. But, you know, the fact is the Cooper, Cooper has another loss. I think she might be an Invicta next. We'll see what happens. But what did you guys think of that fight? Cooper won uh, the fight. Yeah, Cooper should have won that fight. And I feel really bad for her that she didn't get that win. She's got a very deceiving record because of tough and, and her amateur fights. And as I've mentioned before, I put more stock into female amateur fights than I do male amateur fights because so often you're going to run into women that you're going to see in the UFC. It's such a smaller circuit that I put a lot more stock into it. And quite frankly, there are a lot of one-fight amateurs who are as good as one-fight pros uh, on, on that level of things. But I feel bad. I hope she doesn't get cut from it, but she should have won the fight. And Joe, it seems like you echoed that sentiment. Yeah, yeah, she won the fight, in my opinion. On my scorecard, she won. Uh, close fight, good fight, um, but I don't think it should have went to, to Ashley at all. It was, I mean, I could see where people may make the argument, but no, my, on my scorecards, it was Amanda Cooper. I think I had a two rounds to one. Um, so uh, the, the irony is this. There's nothing, I mean, there, there are many things that are worse when it comes to judges' decisions. Look at it this way. What, two judges had a 29-28 for Ashley. The other judge gave it 30-27 to Amanda, right? Do the math. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's not good, right? When it's, if it was 29-28 the other way, you can see that. But it was 30-27 the other way. Something, something, I don't know, something's weird sometimes when I see these decisions. I'm like, I don't know what you saw or you know, where the fight took place. But uh, in my honest opinion, Amanda Cooper uh, won that fight. And, and David Ramos, I mean, that guy there is... I know it was John Gunther James, but almost, I don't want that guy anywhere near me to grab a hold of me because if he gets a hold of you, man, is that guy good. James, you, you mentioned the, <laughs> the Devontae Smith fight, Julian Arosa. It's like, how can you make sure that a Dana White contender series product wins? Well, you just match them up. Yeah, right? pretty much. I, yeah. I think, I think that's, that's a nice way to go about it, but – UFC, I loved all the graphics. I loved the retro music. I loved the the <laughs> mat. I loved all that. And uh, it was it was a nice touch that I really enjoyed. Also a nice touch was Showdown Joe last week when we said Floyd Mayweather to Ryzen. He goes, <laughs> I don't buy it. The Ryzen play-by-play commentator from the jump, from the moment I messaged him, said, yeah, that's not going to happen at all. You were you were pretty transparent about this, Joe. Now a lot of people in your position would have been like, "Well, Floyd Mayweather, what a wonderful opportunity this is!" And uh, I can't wait to call his fight. You were very very transparent about this straight out of the gate. I, I well, I, I wouldn't. I didn't say it wasn't going to happen. I just thought to myself, I don't see how this is going to work, or I don't understand 
where it's coming from. I get that they were they want to keep it secret and stuff like that, but it was always one of those things where it's like, man, I get to call a Floyd Mayweather fight. This can't be real. This is going to be awesome, but I'm going to believe it when I see it, right? It was one of those things because something just seemed a little bit off, and who knows? Maybe it's Floyd simply negotiating, uh, or who knows what it could be. It just Because it came for me out of nowhere, and before you know it, it happened the day of the podcast or the night before we came on the air. What, and due to the time zone change and trying to get the information that I wanted before we went on air, it was difficult. And I just said, there's something a little off here. And I said, well, why wouldn't you know, when, when I started looking at Floyd's interviews, which he didn't do any, and then his social media, I'm like, what's going on here? Like, why hasn't he posted anything either? Why is it just rising? And that could have been something that was agreed upon. But I'm like, you know, like anything. And James knows. James goes back to my, my sports net days. When I had UFC Central, the TV show, um, I would rarely give my opinion unless I had both sides of the story, whether I did the interviews with the fighters or managers or Dana White, uh, or at least we had some public record of the two. I'd present the information, tell the viewer, here's where, here's where we're at, make the call, in my opinion, yay or nay sort of thing. So with this one here, I was like, oh, man, something's got to give here. And then also when I was told that the beginning of November – uh, in Japan is like our April Fools. I'm like, are they telling me the truth? Or are they joking with me? Are they playing a joke? Is it a publicity stunt? Is it real? Maybe it is real. And I'm like, I don't know what to think. And next thing you know, Sean Rossap sends me uh, the information. Hey, we're live on the air in five, four, three. And I'm like, oh, well, let's just go with what I got here. Yeah, uh, James, this unfolded uh, pretty quickly and unraveled pretty quickly. What do you think happened? Did Mayweather get worked? Did I heard somebody joke? They said Mayweather thought he was getting paid in dollars instead of yen, which I thought was very funny. But he backtracked very quickly. But it's it's a win all around for Ryzen. They got free uh, free pub for one of their big stars now. Yeah, um, I, I think I mean I'd sort of lean towards uh, Ryzen not really giving much information on the opponent that Floyd was supposed to fight or, or the rules or anything like that. Um, someone made a joke that you know Floyd didn't read the contract, you know, because he has trouble reading. Um, so so there, there's stuff like that, but um, yeah, I mean it's it's a win for Ryzen. Like I said, I mean I this one everywhere. I, there's people that I follow on Twitter that don't talk anything even close to combat sports, and they were talking about this fight. So it was just free pl- uh, free uh, publicity for Ryzen. Um, you know, I, again, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. I mean, I know Floyd didn't write that response. I mean, there's no way uh, that lengthy response where it's like, I didn't know what was, you know, this and that, but, uh, Hey, you know, good for Ryzen, I guess, uh, getting their name out there in a week where one championship, you know, sort of dominated everything with all the signings Ryzen kind of topped them with this Floyd stuff. Yeah. Then that's a kind of publicity. I mean, I say you can't buy it, but they did. I mean, they, they essentially did. They, they kind of paid him for the press conference and all that stuff, but that's a level of publicity that is real hard to put a price tag on getting a photo op next to Floyd Mayweather. You can run with the narrative that Floyd Mayweather is ducking this guy. I mean, that's there. You can use that. People are going to say that I'm going to say it every week for the love of God. I love it. Joe, from a branding perspective, what does this do for Ryzen? Um, clearly it does great things for Ryzen because, you know, again, we're talking about it, although we do talk about it quite often, probably more than anybody because, is, you know, because I'm affiliated with them and I do the play-by-play. Um, th- there were many, many outlets. I mean, I was scrolling through some of the sports channels here, uh, and then we had some feeds uh, from south of the border uh, where people were giving their thoughts. Um, you know, there were some prominent people, not just broadcasters, but 
involved in the you know in, in various sports that were talking about this and bringing it up. So tons of publicity for Ryzen. Um, I, I, from what I'm told, uh, Saitama Super Arena sold out now, and this came after this press conference. Now I don't know what the rules are in Japan in terms of. Um, Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, when a main event changes, you know, people can ask for their money back. Um, maybe there's more stuff that we don't know about. But, yeah, there's been some great notoriety uh, towards uh, Ryzen. And, you know, it's, it's fantastic publicity. I'm super glad. Um, you know, but I haven't been in touch with them. They're not responding to uh, any of the requests that I'm making. Uh, again, time zone changes. Things are going on. And, you know, who kn- maybe everything in my, like, let's look at it this way, guys. Maybe everything was A-OK when Floyd left Japan. And all of a sudden, he lands, and this happens, and he posts this. Uh, could be a negotiation tactic, throwing Ryzen into the, oh, my goodness, what are you doing, Floyd? Maybe they're just cleaning up or trying to figure out, hey, oh, this is what you agreed upon. Can we talk about this? I think you should post this. I think you should say that. So we don't know what's happening behind the scenes. I tried to get as much information as I could, not get much, but uh, you know, maybe everything is A-OK. We just don't know until something comes out. So I'm trying, trying to get it, just you know, not happening yet. UFC 230 buy rate is out. It's around 250,000. Joe, what does this number do for you? It's, Sorry, it's, what's the number? I think it's like 250,000. Not not a great number. Definitely uh, not by by old UFC standards, but I mean UFC still making a good amount of money off of that, but Yeah, I mean it goes back to the standards or the, the the numbers that were, you know, when, you know, 4 or 5 years ago, which, you know, again, if it wasn't for Sean Ross Sapp, I wouldn't even know that these numbers were so low in comparison. Um, you know, you had a champ champ defending the title. Um, you had, a, a you know, a, what's now pretty much a popular contender. Uh, I don't know. It, it'd be interesting to see, you know, when you take a look at the trajectory as to who gets which amount of pay-per-view buys, the percentage, because, you know, what, what is, you know, I pretty much know what Habib Nurmagomedov is worth uh, to the UFC. I've got a good taste of in terms of what I was told what Conor McGregor's worth to the UFC. I don't know what Daniel Cormier is worth to the UFC versus um, you know a, a guy whose popularity and Derek Lewis is beginning to go up. I think the number is low. Um, maybe, Sean, you tell me. Maybe, or James, maybe it's it's correct. Maybe that's what the number um, should be with these two guys fighting on the top. What I do know is that um, when the UFC was doing anything and everything possible to get you know mixed martial arts sanctioned or regulated in New York State, uh, they always promised big shows, big big shows in the state. Whenever they were, or, or, or good name value shows, especially at Madison Square Garden, and it just the timing was was terrible uh, to put on a mega show here, um, which is what they try and do at Madison Square Garden, and obviously for another reason, business reason, because the amount of money they spent in trying to sanction and regulate 
New York, they want to make that money back in that same state. So interesting to see. James, your thoughts on this number? Uh, yeah, it's not great, but uh, you know I've said this time and time again. There, you're not going to get strong pay per view numbers in this day and age uh, unless you have you know so many notable names that people that even every you know all the casual fans are going to flock to it. So it doesn't surprise me with the number. I think the pay per view model is even though in boxing we're still seeing strong numbers. I think in general it's a tough sell for the combat sports fan because you do have to you know pay for cable, you have to pay for Paramount Network, like you know DAZN now with Bellator. I think pay per view is a tough sell these days with a lot of people because of the fact as a combat sports fan, if you want to watch everything, you're paying out of pocket in in a lot of ways. So um, you know they're going to keep running into this problem regardless of who's on the card because again I think pay per view the model it's just not sustainable. I don't think in the future. Speaking of DAZN, I heard of that Bellator show that kicked off. Their brand essentially did 35,000 views, mm-hmm. subs. Not a great number for, for a show of that quality, James. No, the moose couldn't deliver, I guess. you know. Yeah. Uh, Joe, does that number surprise you, 35K for DAZN? I mean, that's that's a type of thing that you got to go out of your way to, to, to watch. You just nailed it on the head. It, it, it's, it's a number that, you know, doesn't surprise me one bit. Um, there, there's a bunch of things with the zone that have me uh, a tad puzzled. Uh, a variety of things with the zone that have me a, a tad puzzled. And, and Bellator took a risk by putting it on that platform. I'd like to know what the ratings were here uh, in Canada because it did air in Canada. So I'd like to know um, what it did here. But yeah, it's it's a risk, man. I know we're 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 trending. We're all going towards. You know, streaming uh, everything online, pay for everything online, you know, almost um, uh, it's a weird, you know, way of saying it, James. It was like a pay-per-view you pay or on demand, right? You basically want to get what you want to get when you want to get it. Um, you, know, you don't really have to subscribe anymore. So it is sort of weird. And, and yeah, I mean, you know, illegal streaming is out there. You know, it's, it's, it's not that difficult to find any streams nowadays. I get people still messaging me to this day. And I mean, friends of mine or acquaintances they're like, hey, man, you watching UFC? I'm like, well, yeah, it's, it's my job. Here's the link. I'm like, dude, I watch it on my television. I ordered the pay-per-view. Oh, I don't order the pay-per-view. You can just watch it here. I don't want to watch it there. I get it. And it's over and over again. And it's like, oh, guys, I'm the wrong guy to be sending that to you. I don't want to see that kind of stuff. But it's out there, man. And it's, it's the same thing, you know, with any one of the – even boxing, you know, when Triple G last fought uh, with Canelo. You know, people are sending me these links. And I'm like, I don't want to watch it, man. I'm good. I'm good. So here's what it is. This is something that I am rather excited to talk about because there's so much to talk about. The UFC flyweight division and what is going on there. Personally, I was stoked when the UFC's flyweight division was was brought in because, hey, I'm a homer. Demetrius Johnson was born on Kentucky land. I knew that he would have the opportunity to become flyweight champion. He did. He was the greatest flyweight champion of all time. We have seen fighters be peeled off from this roster. It's real confusing what's going on right now. Fighters getting fired. Shorty Torres, who both of you know very, very well, who competed not just at 125, but could compete at 135 and wanted to compete at 145 at one point. James, you spoke to him. He said that he made that offer, and he thinks that because he made that offer, maybe the UFC was like, you know what, let's start firing some of these guys. It's kind of of a weird situation, and it gets weirder. 
Yeah, there's so much to unpack from this. Uh, how about Jared Brooks coming off a win and gets cut? Um, I guess his contract ran out. So they're like, okay, good enough excuse. We're going to get rid of you. Um, yeah, it's just, it, it sort of came out of nowhere. Uh, you know, Flow Combat was the first to, to report that the division was coming to the, the, the demise. And we see all the fighters coming out and saying, yeah, you know, Jose Shorty Torres, Jared Brooks, Justin Scoggins, Roberto Sanchez, all these guys getting let go. And uh, and to make matters so much more confusing, they say that TJ Dillashaw and Henry Cejudo, by the way, that's for the flyweight title. What's going on here? So, I, I mean, for me, it's it, like I, I feel bad for for Shorty, especially. I mean, Joe and I both know that Shorty should have been in the UFC a while ago. He beat whoever he could to get in there. And, you know, he he kind of described in the interview the quote that sort of stood out to me is he's like, you know, it was like I was in an abusive relationship. And it's true. He got treated like crap. There's no other way to look at that. This is an exciting guy, a young guy, a guy who's still got a ton of potential. And the kicker is he fought at bantamweight in Titan as well. He fought at both weight classes, won a title in both weight classes, and they're still getting rid of him after one loss. Granted, not a great fight, but you're getting rid of him after one loss. That that's bad business decision, in my opinion. Uh, I feel I feel for the flyweights. I feel for everyone in the division. I get that it wasn't the most exciting division, but the UFC's to blame for this as well. I mean, they there were times when they had marquee flyweight fights that they were putting on the prelims. How are you supposed to get fans invested in the, in a division when you're not showcasing those fights? So um, yeah, it's just an unfortunate situation all around. And hopefully, uh, you know your your ACBs, your Ryzen, your one championships, sign these guys, and they can they can have a better uh, life uh, post UFC. Joe, your thoughts on this being a flyweight title fight now? Cejudo and Dillashaw, it seems so just arbitrary to to just make, oh, he wants two titles, so let's do it. Why? And now Cejudo's saying, yeah, but I'm going to get a rematch for his 135 title. No! This title, this 135 title has already been log jammed for so long. You've had like four guys compete for it over the last several years. What? What about the Marlon Moraises of the world? What, what about them? Yeah, when I first saw the news that the fight potentially is happening, that title fight or the super fights happening at 125 pounds for the flyweight title, the first thing that went to my mind is TJ Dillashaw is trying to become another champ champ. He wants that. He wants to cut down there, prove he can do it, fight, become the champ champ. Now he's got two titles, one that's about to get eliminated, uh, and then everyone has to go to 135 pounds to fight him. But it does clog up the division once again there are a lot of title contenders at 135 pounds that deserve title shots and i I get the fact that it's going to be henry cejudo who they've always wanted at 135 anyways right um so you know he'll get that shot eventually uh it is a weird scenario i think it's absolutely it's it's sad it sucks i would love to know the real reasoning behind why the ufc is making this decision decision and i'm pretty sure we all know why that the you know it's it's you know Sean you and I have talked about this you know it's that it's that you know state of Texas theory everything's bigger in Texas people like bigger fighters and they don't like small guys fighting but there there's a way to promote it and you could have promoted Demetrius Johnson on so many different levels uh, although there could be a caveat there in stating that maybe Demetrius didn't want to do all that promotion was happy what he was doing right so now he's getting that payday uh, at one but the whole division now. Um, is getting cut here and there. Shorty Torres should be fighting at 135. Make him fight at 135. The guy's a very exciting fighter, fantastic promotion, but I know firsthand that he was once blocked by UFC matchmaker Mick Maynard, just blocked because he was trying to get in there. He's sitting there like, what else do I have to do? And, you know, Shorty's interview when he said, or that social media post when he said uh, what he said, and I knew I was like, man, the UFC is going to look at that and say, yep, you're done. It's like you can't speak up against them, right? And if there was ever a case for a situation where these boys need or need a union, here it is. 
right? They need representation to say, you just can't cut us out like this. Like, what's going on here? But, you know, this is this is where we're at right now. And I honestly think it sucks. I think it's absolutely terrible. Um, you know, the benefits are hopefully the other uh, associations or promotions, excuse me, can take advantage of this uh, because you've got now the best fighters in the world available to you at 125 pounds. James, you reported just before we went on the air that former flyweight Luis Smoka, who I can confirm does like the polka. (laughs) That's some John Candy for you guys. But he's returning to the UFC. And I posted, I said, wow, they're bringing back a flyweight. And you said, well, let me be clear, it's at Bantamweight. And I'm just thinking, man, they have a whole mess of flyweights that want to go to Bantamweight and got fired. Guys in their top 15. Did this new? Okay, so man, I don't even know how to frame this. I'm so mind boggled. Good for Luis Smoka. I like Luis Smoka. He's young. He's he's a good fighter. Uh, you know, it's it's good for him. But are you surprised they brought him back, especially in the middle of all this? I'm not surprised, and I'll tell you why. I think that he was a guy that, um, you know, it's been well documented. He had a substance abuse problem uh, when he was in the UFC, and that that's why he lost a lot of those fights. Uh, he just, you know, it was really impacting his training, and he was fighting tough guys. And and I think, you know, the UFC was very high in him. You remember when he fought Patty Houlihan in the main event, yeah. and that, you know, that was sort of his the pinnacle of his career at that point. And you know, it really seemed like he was destined for a title shot, and that didn't end up happening, unfortunately. And you know, he strung together some losses, and I think the UFC said, like, look. Take care of your personal issues. We'll keep an eye on you and, and we'll see what happens. And, and that's exactly what he's done. He moved from Hawaii to California. He's, he's been sober apparently since the beginning of the year. He's, he's won all of his fights by stoppage. I think what it comes down to is they wanted exciting guys in the UFC. And he's a guy that I think that they didn't want to let go. They knew how young he was and they knew that he brings the exciting matchups. It's just uh, he needed to figure some things out. So he figured that out to bring him back. I should mention too, from the sources that I spoke with, um, he, he is going to be fighting very soon. I believe, uh, you know, I, 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 my sources are telling me possibly that China card next week. Uh, he's he's going to be fighting on that. So this is another short notice thing. And yes, they could have brought up Jared Brooks or whoever to, to there. But I mean, unfortunately for Brooks and Roberto Sanchez and, you know, a few of those other guys, um, you know, often they go to decision. They're, they're not guys that are really getting you out of your seat and, and you know, really sort of captivating it. Shorty Torres is one of those guys. That one I don't agree with. Justin Scoggins, very exciting, but, you know, he had lost, what, four of his last five. That, that's, I can understand that. But I think the, the reasoning behind bringing Smolka back is just that fans loved him. He's an entertaining fighter. He's cleaned things up. I think they want to see what he's made of, especially at bantamweight where he's not cutting that extra weight. So if you, <laughs> you look at the UFC rankings right now it's going to be a mess by the way they, they've redone their rankings so it's it already is a mess and <laughs> i can't even i can't even pull it up i don't think they even have yeah they do have flyweight rankings okay or they they have pound for pound rankings i don't even know how to navigate these right now it's so such a stark change that my google chrome says that it's unsafe to go to <laughs> but okay i finally pulled it up number 15 do you know who number 15 in these rankings are guys Neil Siri. Neil Siri. Oh, jeez. Do you, do you want to know why that's significant, guys? <laughs> He's not a fucking fighter anymore! Pardon my language. I mean, you all are two respected <laughs> MMA journalists. I am not. I'm a respected pro wrestling journalist, so I'm allowed to act like this. Uh, Neil Siri doesn't fight anymore, or did I miss something? Uh, you are correct, sir. You're correct. Didn't he retired. He retired. 
and the balls on these guys, the just the the grapefruits on the UFC. Not only is he number 15, he's tied at number 15 with a guy who actually fights. So they could have easily just said, you know what, we'll just omit him from this list. It was a clerical error. It was a mistake here. But there's another 15, so what's the harm? But they didn't do that. <laughs> oh, this is such a mess. It is such a mess. And I, I mean, the way that I see it, Hey, Sergio Pettis is hitting the bricks, whatever. Benavidez, it, you could put him at Bantamweight. I'm sure he'll do fine. John Moraga, same thing. Wilson Hayes, same thing. Some of these other guys, they're probably just going to get cut. They'll find work elsewhere. If I'm Bellator, I start a flyweight division tomorrow just to do it. But there's one name that is particularly interesting for a number of reasons. Ray Borg, who has had everything from glass in, in his face to – issues with with his child, which I, I hope get better, but the man has pulled out of so many fights. James, do you think the UFC has mercy on him and has him try 135, or do you think he's done, though? He's staying. 100% he's staying. Mark my words, he will he will be in the UFC and he will be fighting at bantamweight. Um, who's his manager? Simple as that. It's a good point. That's a uh, very good point. And, and one thing, I, yeah, I'll, I'll bring this up later, but you mentioned the Marlon Moraes thing, too. Uh, it's kind of funny because Moraes is managed by Ali, Henry Cejudo's managed by Ali. So it's like he's kind of screwing over one client to help another client. You know, that, that thing's, I mean, you know, it's, the whole thing's just very weird. But to answer your question, yeah, Borg, Borg will stay with the UFC. Um, he, he's beloved by everyone. And, and despite all this, if it was anyone else, if it was, you know, I don't know, who, any, any random person on the roster, they're gone. But it's because it's Ray Borg and because he's with Ali. I think having Ali, that extra protection, I think will we'll keep him around. And, um, you know, I, from what I've been told, anyone coming off a loss is cut. So Brandon Moreno's cut from what I heard. Aaron Bronsetter posted that yesterday, um, which is crazy if you think about it. I mean, how, you know, the, the streak he was on, like how he's in the, he's out of the UFC and, you know, some of the other guys that are, that have stuck around are, you know, it's, it's just kind of crazy sort of their reasoning. Um, so yeah. And, and just, uh, I mean, yeah, we're, we're going to see more of it, but yeah, from my understanding is if you're coming off a loss in the flyweight division, you're cut. doesn't matter who you are. Uh, the only exception I think was Jared Brooks, like I mentioned, but like I said, he had a four fight deal, the Roberto Sanchez's fourth fight. So they're like, Hey, kick bricks. So, uh, as we wrap up this conversation, what does this mean for the other divisions? Because this could have a ripple effect. Dana White says, we don't want to add more divisions. Well, if you don't have a flyweight division, you don't really have an excuse to not add 165 and 175. If you do that, combined with this, you're going to have a lot of smaller guys moving up to Bantamweight. I would like to hope that this causes a ripple effect and oversized 135s move up and then vice versa. I'm not convinced of that. But Joe, do you think that this move improves the possibility of adding a 165 and 175 division and scrapping 170? Uh, if Dana White wakes up, yeah. He, he won't. He's always been um, one of those guys that's taking a little bit – it takes a little longer uh, to come out and say, yeah, we're doing this. I mean, just look at the – you know, Ronda Rousey. Just look at when they brought in Flyweight. Just look at when they brought in um, the, diff- the, the women's divisions in general. Just look at how long it took for him uh, to put on the ultimate fighter with the ladies. There's, there's a bunch of different um, – things that I look at when it comes to this stuff here. Now, I, the ripple effect was something I was talking to a friend about um, was it yesterday or the day before. In essence, similar to what you're saying, uh, but it goes back to what you and I have talked about for a very long time, whereby I believe the UFC needs to cut their roster big time. They got to start making putting on better shows with higher quality fighters 
with higher quality fights that actually mean something. So if you're getting rid, it sucks. But if you're getting rid of a whole division, some of them are allowed to move up. Some of the ones at the bottom of the Bantamweight division, money just cut them. And the ones that do want to stay, they go up to featherweight. Some of the guys that are at the bottom of featherweight, you don't want them, get rid of them and just keep going until you've got only X amount. Of pay- First of all, this top 15 thing I've never liked. It should only be top 10. Okay, so top 10 means something. Top When you're number 14 in the world, nobody cares. But when you're number 10, it feels like you're on the cusp of something. You better protect that number 10 ranking. So in my opinion, the UFC, and oh God, I've just been saying it for so long that I feel stupid that I'm constantly bringing it up all the time. But cut cut the fighters that should not be in the Super Bowl of MMA. Cut the fighters yeah. that sh- are not UFC fighters and it, it just seems like anybody can make it to the ufc it's not true but that's the sense that it's out there it should be top 10 only per division every fight should mean something every fighter should either be trying to crack the top 10 or protecting their position in the top 10 trying to get into title contention trying to get trying to get to number one contention fighting for a title that's how the ufc should be operating things but now nah, whatever they're a billion dollar entity based on what they've done but things got to change if you're top 15, you might be on the verge of retirement based on the UFC standards. We well, have you UFC- can retire and just be put in there for no reason. Yeah. UFC Argentina this weekend. We're going to go through the show quickly. Uh, James, anything on the prelim show uh, stand out to you? Because right now, off the top of my head, I'm looking at that flyweight fight with Sasaki and Pantoja, and I'm thinking, you better win. Pretty much, yeah. Um yeah, that that's exactly right. The only interesting, there's a couple of interesting fights in here. Um, I'm I'm interested that Austin Arnett got another fight with the UFC. Um, you know, he's he's gone zero and two. He's fighting uh, Humberto uh, Banade. Um, you know, ban- at featherweight, so he, his job's on the line too. That should be an interesting one. Um, I mean, Cynthia Calvillo. Uh, well, actually, no, that's the main card. But yeah, the prelims. Uh, Devin Powell's back. He's always an interesting guy. Uh, I mean, this is just. You know, not not much to really ride home about. None of these fights are really that intriguing, in my opinion, especially the flyweight one that, uh, you know, we know that there's no future at flyweight for either of them. The main card, by the way, guys, not sure when or if I'll do a wrap-up that is the same night as NXT TakeOver War Games. So kind of uh, a battle with time there. But uh, if not, then we definitely will cover, cover this next week. Go, go ahead and hit me with her name, Joe. You're, you're great with with pronouncing names like Pollyanna has, and I'm not going to do it the disservice of saying it before you. What, Pollyanna Botello? Come on. You you know how to say it, Joe. Pollyanna Botello. Oh, come on. You, you <laughs> just suck the fun out of a room. She's fighting <laughs> Cynthia Calvillo. I know. Calvillo, a fighter <laughs> who, who was not a professional fighter oh. when Fightful started. And she's taking the biggest layoff of her career because, quite frankly, she didn't have time to take a layoff before then. In a year and a half, she went from not a pro James to making it to the UFC to going on an awesome run and beating Joanne Calderwood to losing her first fight against a former UFC champion. How do you think she'll bounce back with this time off against Pollyanna Botelho? Layoffs affect everyone differently. Um you know, she could be getting a lot better in the gym. We don't really know. I, I'm always concerned with layoffs. And, and you also have to factor in the travel for this fight for her. Is that going to play a role in this as well? Although she has fought overseas before. Uh, this is a big fight for her. And again, she had so much momentum, momentum last year. I mean, I remember being in Buffalo when she beat Pearl Gonzalez. I mean, she was, you know, she was at the presser. You know, Dana White was referencing her, you know, here and there. 
Um, she's got to get the momentum back. So this is a huge fight. If she loses here, that's going to kill everything she accomplished in 2017, in my opinion. So she's got to go out there and take care of business. But a very tough opponent, like you said, 7-1 record. Um, she's got to work cut out for her. And, and the other thing is, uh, you know, with the, the travel, you know, the weight cut, how's that going to impact that too? We'll see. But uh, she's, she's really got to win this fight. Go. As as James mentioned, everybody responds to to layoffs differently, but we're, we're taking we're seeing a couple of women similar in age, similar in experience, except for that, that Batale has been around longer. It, she has the same amount of fights. When you see somebody like Calvillo cram that many fights into such a short amount of time, what does that say to you? Well, there's a lot of things you could look into. That I mean, personally, I don't recommend it. Uh, but then again, you know. It depends if the fighter's young and, and gung-ho uh, or they're older and trying to get as much as they can out of their career before they get too old. Um, so it is kind of strange. But you take a look at, at her record, the way you described it before, it, it, it is kind of weird. Uh, it is a bit challenging. But, yeah, um, it, it's a tough call. And, of course, you know, with, with any sort of layoff, nothing good comes from it, in my opinion. Uh, but I have seen, you know, guys like Freddie Essensal take on Jay-Z and emerge victorious and in a post-fight interview tell me flat to my face in front of everybody and everybody that was tuned in at the time that, you know, ring rust isn't real. It never is real. Like, well, okay, <laughs> maybe not, but... Uh, we also used to hear that the guillotine was a myth from certain fighters. Yeah, right? So um, the irony is, I just realized this, James, Freddie hasn't fought since winning that title, ever, anywhere. Yeah, I saw him this summer. He's uh, he was supposed to be in the PFL tournament, but he suffered another injury. The guy just can't get to break. Both, both brothers go through, or two of the three brothers go through a lot. Then, but yeah, just back to Cynthia for a second. It's it's just a strange scenario, but I like the fight. I do like the fight, so we'll see how it all unfolds. But um, what time does this card actually start? Ten normal normal time. Normal time. All right, yeah. I'll it's do my hair. Cell. Perfect. No. <laughs> Normal time. Uh, also, Guido Canetti, Marlon Vera on this show at Bantamweight. Uh, when I see guys like that and I see Marlon Vera, who's lost two of his last three, and I see Guido Canetti, who is win-loss, win-loss, and then I see a possibly soon-to-be-bloated Bantamweight division, that's another one that I look at with Canetti at 38 years old, and I'm like, hey, you should probably win that fight if you want to make sure you hang around, especially since UFC is getting very – just wishy-washy about letting people go on wins. You also have Cesar Ferreira against Ian Hinnish. Cesar on quite a streak, won five of his last six. Anything in particular you're looking for out of this fight, uh, James? Uh, well, Heinish, I uh, should mention, trains at Factory X, and that team has been on a roll right now. And uh, he, also won, he also won on Contender Series, and he also um, – or sorry, he didn't win on Contender Series. He won the LFA title, and, and so then that sort of prompted him to, uh, you know, get the UFC contract and everything else. But uh, it, it's a tough task. He's taking this on short notice. Now, what I heard is that he was supposed to be on this Denver card, and they just could, they had an issue with his opponent. And uh, so he wasn't able to uh, to get on there, so he's fighting the week later. And fighting Ferreira, who – is a killer in that division. I mean, that's a that's a tough task. And uh, Heinish, if you look at his only loss, was to Marcus Perez, and that was a first-round submission. And Ferreira, known for that, he did that to Carl Robertson in his last fight. So uh, going to be an interesting fight here. But Heinish, again, uh, you know, from everyone that I've talked to at Factory X, just really good. And by the way, i got to correct myself. Uh, he did win on Contender Series. It's tough to keep track of everyone, but it uh, should be a good fight. It is. I am so ready for tough to go. I cannot wait to not pay attention to the Ultimate Fighter until the finals. I am so excited for that. We also have Khalil Roundtree against Johnny Walker. <laughs> what? <laughs> Johnny Walker doesn't even have a Wikipedia page, and he's fighting a guy that has like nine fights between UFC and Tough Joe. I just want to see Johnny Walker fight Jack Daniels, but 
Um, oh, son of a bitch. How dare you? Yeah. I uh, think he's really going to make a splash in this fight. Oh, God. God. <laughs> Uh, I know we got to. I know we're quick. We got to wrap this up here. But uh, you know, Khalil Roundtree is a favorite at minus two fifty. Uh, we're not going to put five on it. But uh, yeah, I think Khalil emerges victorious. Yeah, he's going to have a, he's going to have him on the rocks for sure. God damn! Such a weird booking after he beat Gokan Saki. But whatever. It's a contender series guy. I guess they figure. Well, the worst that can happen is that he loses to a contender series guy. I'm excited to see how they push these these fellas. Ricardo Lamas, Darren Elkins. This is an underrated fight. My God. Darren Elkins was close to retirement and just changed his life, changed his career, and went on a six-fight winning streak. Lost to Volkanovski. Uh, Ricardo Lamas, a former title challenger, but has lost two in a row. I'm going with Elkins in this one. I think he's going to be able to grind it out, and that Lamas is not an easy guy to grind it out against. But, uh, James, your thoughts on this one? Uh, yeah, just uh, just a great matchup. Uh, again, I think the winner of, of Lamas and Elkins should uh, you know fight Yair, Yair Rodriguez next. But uh, both these guys have something to prove. Uh, you know, trying to stay relevant in that division. Lamas is one of those guys, man. Where just when you think you want to count him out, he pulls off a big win, and I think he, he has that opportunity here on Saturday. But Elkins, as we've seen with the Mirasad Bektik fight, uh, never count him out either. So I'm excited for this one. Both guys, lots of experience, going to put it all on the line in the co-main event. The plus 200 Elkins is uh, definitely one of my I got five on it, as is I'd probably say Sasaki at plus 230 because why not? And yeah, it's, that's probably that's probably the extent of my I got five on it. Well, outside of this main event, uh, Joe, your thoughts on the co-main event, though? I got five on Elkins. Done. Yeah, else to he seems there. like a pretty safe I got five yep. on it. I mean, the guy I, I don't doubt that he can beat anybody below that top five it's some like given the right night for him you also have santiago ponzinibbio a minus 330 favorite over neil magny plus 260 i see neil magny as one of those guys who on any given night could beat almost anybody with the right the the right wind resistance he might be (laughs) able to just beat anybody he's he's hung around man he transformed his career as well uh, Joe Ponzinibbio on a hot streak. Obviously, they want him to win. I'm expecting him to win, but Magni is no easy out. No, he's not. But the expectation when the original bout of Santiago Ponzinibbio against Kamaro Usman was made, they had high hopes for Santiago. Uh, do not. I don't think you should put five on this fight at all. Uh, I respect Neil Magni, of course. And I think he's a fantastic talent. I just think Santiago's got skills, uh, you know, just fantastic. So I'm, I'm going to be looking at Santiago to pull this off. James? Santiago should win this fight, but if you look at Neil Magny when he loses his fights, it's usually by submission. And Santiago, you have to go all the way back to 2012 for his last submission win. Uh, you know, this is one of those things that, uh, you know, I think Neil could could hang in there and could get it done. So uh, I might put five on Neil because I think there is some value. Interesting thing about his camp at Elevation. Seems like the guys over at Genesis are kind of train, cross-training with them. So, you know, guys like Justin Gaethje and, and uh, you know, some of the other talent out there. So getting some different looks for this camp, we'll, we'll see if that pays off in this one. But, uh, you know, Neil Magny, one of those guys, again, where he can, he can always surprise. Just when you want to count him out, he can pull it off. But if I had to make my pick, I'll go Santiago. Guys, this show brought to you by our new Fightful MMA and Boxing YouTube channel. Link is in the description below. Subscribe, leave a thumbs up, and a comment, and you will be instantly uh, registered to win the signed Chuck Liddell, Randy Couture photo ahead of Chuck Liddell's MMA return this month. Cannot believe I'm using that as a plug, but it is a real thing that exists in this world. 
So go ahead, subscribe. You get James Lynch's interviews immediately. We used to have to kind of wait because we had so many videos going up. We had to kind of spread them out. Not anymore. Just nonstop good times. Follow Joe at Showdown Joe. Follow James at Lynch on Sports. Follow me at Sean Ross Sapp. And visit FightfulMMA.com. We're out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.